Good afternoon, Father. Good afternoon, John Ray. How are you today? Uh, fantastic. This weather, I love it. Yeah? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I say the, right now, you know, it's kind of like in the 50s. The wind is gone, but not too strong, and that's perfect. Even this morning for, you know, it being in the 30s. Supposedly, yeah, I think it was a low 30s. I don't know if we actually went into the 20s. Um, but walking out this morning was great. Mm-hmm. It's a good little brisk. Helps you wake up. And it was nice to be able to take a warm shower when it was so cold since today is a feast day. So we've dated it. Today is the Feast of St. Joseph. Yes. I blanked for a half a second. Yeah. The Solemnity of St. Joseph fell on a Sunday this year, but because uh, Sundays of Lent, nothing trumps them um, in regards to like, okay, solemnities and everything, they moved the solemnity to Monday. So the whole liturgical calendar is really a poker game where you can have <laughs> one feast that trumps another feast. Yes. And occasionally there can be a feast day that trumps the Sunday. Yes. What are those? Uh, those would be right. So obligatory, uh, solemnities or something like that. Uh, the Immaculate uh, not, Conception here. Yeah. In the, the U.S. Um, at the diocese would have a special devotion or, uh, let's say the patron of a church, right? So St. Patrick's in New York, I believe. I'm not sure about this. I just had some friends come back from New York yesterday and they were telling me that they went to mass and it was like a Sunday mass for St. Patrick's. Well, of course, because St. Patrick's Cathedral that's their patronage. But even for us here at St. Pius, this past year, we moved St. Pius feast day. That was on like a Friday. We moved it to the Sunday. Father Brady, as pastor, has that authority. Mm. And so we made St. Pius X a solemnity, and it trumped the whatever ordinary time Sunday Mass. And so we celebrated the solemnity of St. Pius X because we are St. Pius X Parish. Sure. I yep. like it. A little Catholic trivia. Yeah. And, but during like Christmas, Easter, Pentecost, like these type of things, nothing trumps those. Nothing. Sure. Doesn't matter sense. what it is. <laughs> Not even your birthday. Not, well, my birthday is kind of special. <laughs> <laughs> and my birthday a few times has fallen on uh, Easter. Of course, it's what, every, every uh, fourth year? Right? Jesus it, loves you so much that he rose from the dead on, yep, on your ne- birthday. And it's never happened on Good Friday, which is important. <laughs> <laughs> so um, when's your birthday? April 20th. Okay. April right. 20th. Not April 1st. <laughs> nope. They say customary, there's a, there's a, um, a, a priest friend of mine growing up said that, um, there is a tradition. It's not a tradition. What's the word I'm looking for? Anyway, it doesn't matter. Um, a, a, a legend. A, 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 okay. Okay. We'll go with legend. That's not what it is either, but that, um, the original good Friday would have been April 1st. Hmm. The day the devil danced because he thought he won April Fools. Oh my gosh! I don't know if there's any shred of truth <laughs> yeah, to no, that. that uh, I wonder I when did thought, April Fools come about. That would be the question to ask. Yeah, yeah, when did right? April Fools come about? <laughs> but it, it's kind of neat if you think about it. Like if yeah. you you know no, it go could with be, the April it could be Fools. Cool. Yeah. No, that's not. Uh, yeah. That, that or maybe that's where funny. April Fools comes from. We gotta we gotta ask the encyclopedia. Um. Um. What's her name? The Alexa. Uh, Alexa. Alexa. Yeah. There we go. Siri. Yeah. Well, watch how you watch. Watch how you talk to Siri because she's gonna start beeping on somebody's phone right now. Oh. oh. <laughs> uh, and so, okay, the gospel, the gospel, the podcast. We were talking about right before what we were going to talk about, and uh, we do that every time. Actually. Yes. Yes. Literally we, right before. Mm-hmm. And I was I was telling uh, John Ray. I actually sent him a picture earlier in the week. I was kind of doing some research with the church fathers in regards to the, our gospel this Sunday. And St. Augustine, 
who's uh, the doctor of grace, right? The St. Augustine's a big figure in our Catholic faith. He related the story of the blind man to the catechumens. A catechumen is uh, someone who wants to become a Catholic, right? And so he relates the story of the blind man as someone who is not a Catholic becoming a Catholic. And so I was just going to kind of pull out a few of the images from there, and then I'd love, honestly, for uh, John Ray, you to, to kind of break open our own little process here at St. Pius, right, on how someone becomes a Catholic and just how we do it here. Oh, I thought That's, you were going to tell me. Well, no. How, how does someone become a Catholic? I'd say, well, go ask John Ray. How am I, how am I supposed to know that? Uh, well, okay, in our gospel. So if you don't know, I'm in charge of the process. Like part of my role here at St. Pius is um, to oversee the process of how adults come into the Catholic faith. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In case you were confused as to why Father would be asking me that. <laughs> Father Poirier only knows so much. Uh <laughs> So the, uh, in our gospel, it's the story of the blind man. Uh, Jesus sees him, encounters him, rubs, uh, spits on dirt, and then rubs it on his eyes, uh, tells him to go wash in some water, and then he comes back. Of course, he kind of proclaims Christ to say, he did it for me, and then he's thrown out of the temple, and then Jesus encounters him again after he's thrown out of the temple. Um, well, that's it in a nutshell. It's 41 verses, or 40 ver- verse 1 through 41. So either 40 or 41 verses. It's not important. Uh, yeah. Uh, it's long. It's, it is long. Uh, not and as of long course, as last Sunday's. Oh, no, it's longer than last Sunday's. Oh, I've, oh okay. Yep. We it's get longer? longer? Yep. And so uh, last week I said it's one of our longest of the three-year cycle. This one is even longer. And, of course, from St. John's Gospel, and we talked about this last week, literary master St. John is, every detail is incredibly important and has a rich meaning behind it. So I'll just pull out a few. First, Jesus sees this blind man who's born blind. The blind man, we can say, represents humanity, born with original sin. Jesus, see God, sees humanity and reaches out to humanity, sends his son, Jesus Christ, to after humanity, right? Jesus sees him, uh, tells him he's blind. And then he spits on the ground, makes clay, and puts it over his eyes. What's up with the spit? Well, I, and this is something surprising I didn't see in the church fathers. But for me, I thought they would have brought this out immediately, which, mean, which I think means that I'm wrong in this. But it's still something fresh in my mind. God formed man out of the clay of the earth. Sure. Well, in the gospel, it says that he rubbed clay on his eyes. Mm-hmm. which to me, I mean, that's an obvious reference that Christ is remaking man. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, he's, but why spit? Well, it's, it's not uh, the first time. Yeah. It's not the only time that Jesus uses spit yeah. to heal. Mm-hmm. And so he, Christ is proclaiming the word to him, right? So he's giving the word to this person. Mm-hmm. He's encountering the word. He's listening to it. He hears Christ. And then he, and now Christ anoints him, Right. So this is kind of like the oil that you're anointed with at baptism, the oil of uh, catechumens, okay. right? So this is- this I'll give is, you that. Yeah, it's St. Augustine. St. Augustine says he's anointed with clay, which rep- represents the oil that we're anointed with before baptism. Sure. And then he goes and washes in the pool of Siloam. The pool represents baptism where everyone is sent. 
and Siloam means sent. Mm-hmm. Right, so St. Augustine, he's walking through how someone becomes a, a disciple of Christ. Okay. So you're anointed first with the oil of catechumens, just Go like every child. And baptize all nations. Mm-hmm. And he's baptized, or he goes into the pool of Siloam. At baptism, you are sent into the world uh, to proclaim Christ. And, of course, he comes out as seeing, right? He washes this clay. Uh, he's able to see again, and he's on his way back, and the Jews encounter him, and he's asking, okay, who did this? And he proclaims Christ. He said, Jesus did this to me. Well, it, he's a prophet of some kind. And so this is the, the baby faith, right? This is the, uh, the faith that is legit. He's not wrong. Huh? Jesus is a priest, prophet, and king. Um, but it's still a, not an immature faith, but an incomplete faith. It's, it's not full maturity yet. He's baptized, but he hasn't received all the sacraments yet. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but he's persecuted for it. He's thrown out of the temple, of the other faiths. And so once we follow Christ, that does mean that I'm saying no to all these other imitational gods, all these other faiths. No, I say yes to the true faith, the one true faith of Jesus Christ. Right? So in baptism... I'm sent to proclaim Christ to the nations. And then he re-encounters Christ. And then that's whenever he says, you are, who is God? And he says, I am he. And it says, my Lord, am I? and he worships him. That's the complete faith. Huh? He's, he comes back, returns to Christ, listens, receives the fullness of the Holy Spirit, and he receives the fullness of faith. And he proclaims Christ crucified. He worships him. Um, that's the story of humanity. Mm. No, at least saying how St. Augustine sees it. Sure. It makes sense. Yeah. And we were kind of, I had dinner with a few priests uh, yesterday uh, to kind of celebrate St. Joseph. And we were kind of joking about the gospel. And they said, uh, you know, go ask your mama. They said, uh, <laughs> you know, who's your mom and them, huh? What'd she say? And she said, oh, look, he grown now. He's at my house. Go ask him, you know, because they go and ask the mom and dad about uh the kid, and uh, they said, look, he's a grown man. Go ask him. <laughs> and they said, look, he's out my house, huh? He, he went off short, and I don't know what he came back with. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> so, so this is what y'all talk about on Yeah, we were time. joking about it, uh, you know, about it, what it would look like if it was a bunch of Cajuns in there. Um, but that's, um, at least in regards to one of the church fathers, St. Augustine, he interprets that whole story in regards to humanity, but then also how we become a Catholic mm. with that. And it's beautiful. Uh, and so I sent that to John Ray because he was having class with our RCIA candidates, uh, those that are being brought into the faith this Easter. He's in the middle of meeting with them on Sunday mornings, and then they come to the 1030 a.m. mass. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I sent that to him. Did y'all, did y'all talk about that? We did a that's, little bit. That's so I mean, cool. We spent a lot more time talking about um, the reality of his blindness, right? Um, and then when he asked um when when he you show me who this is so that i may worship him right like how how often does jesus stand in front of us and we not recognize him mm-hmm. you know like um in our lexio so yeah but yeah we did i pulled it up and um we chatted about it a bit so so right before you kind of you made a reference to that rcia or ocia mm-hmm. what what can you tell tell us what that means? Like, so um, at least as long as I can remember, you know, as long as I've ever known, it's always been referred to as RCIA, right? 
you probably know more about OCIA than I do because it's such a new thing. Um, maybe we can figure it out in this conversation together. <laughs> um, but RCIA stands for the Rite of Christian Initiation for Adults. And essentially, it's how we, um, it's how we birth new Catholics who are adults. So they were born outside of the faith, right? And they were never part of the faith, most of them. Um, I don't think, yeah, because now we have the adult confirmation process. So before we started up our adult confirmation process, which starts in just a couple of weeks, I think. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know if they're full, but if you're listening to this and that is something that you're interested in, then I would, like maybe you didn't receive confirmation as a child um, in your junior year, whenever it was that you would have. Um, we have a process to catch you up as an adult um, and so that you can be fully initiated in the church. Um, and prior to us having this adult confirmation process, most of our adults who were in need of the sacrament of confirmation would also come through RCIA. But that's really not what RCIA is for. RCIA is not necessarily, RCIA is to initiate someone who's never been Catholic, um, never been formed in the faith, right? And so this year we have, um, I think it's 10, uh, right around 10 catechumenates and candidates, right? And so the difference between a catechumen and a candidate, um, correct me if I'm wrong, because I'm still learning all the terminologies. Um, a catechumen has never been baptized, right? And mm -hmm. a candidate is someone who was baptized in a faith that we recognize their baptism. Yes. Um, and so, um, so w what does that mean, right? That we recognize their baptism. Um, so we profess it every Sunday at mass, the, the, the creed, right? And it says that we believe in one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. Um, and so if um, our, our candidates have already been baptized in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, just not necessarily in the Catholic faith, um, whatever Christian denomination that they're coming from, um, and we recognize that particular um, that particular baptism because of the way the form that it was that was used, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The right words, the right intention, the right matter, the right matter, which is water. Yep. So, um, so I want to say we have three catechumens, um, uh, if my memory serves me well. If I would have known we were talking about RCIA out to come better prepared. Um, no, yeah, but, yeah, uh, yeah. So, so we have three that are not baptized at all. One who was baptized, this is an interesting situation. One who was baptized and she thought that um, her baptism was of the right form. Um, and I'm not familiar with this particular church and why it's not the right form. And maybe we can talk about it a little bit if you are. Um, she's coming from the Mormon faith. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know what it is about their baptism that is different from ours. Do you know? Yeah. Well, they don't use the right words okay. and they don't have the right intention. Okay. So, uh, okay. So for a baptism to be valid, that means to be, um, everything's firing on all cylinders. Huh? It's correct. Mm -hmm. um, a baptism first needs to have the right intention by the person baptizing. Okay, I'm intending to remove more uh, original sin from their soul and to claim their soul for Christ and make them an adoptive son or daughter of Jesus Christ, right? And so that's the intention that needs to be had. Also, you need the right matter. The right matter is water. Okay, so not Coke and not, uh, you know, whatever else. Uh, we need water. We wash things in water. Water is a big, significant thing in 
um, scripture. Well, and water is life, right? Yep. Let's not miss that. It's life, but it's also destruction. So it represents both. So it represents a person. Yeah. Because with Christ, we die. And without him, we will die forever. Yeah. So uh, I die to sin. I rise with Christ. Mm-hmm. Right. So water is destructive, but it's also life-giving. Yeah. So uh, that and then the right words. Right words need to ha- be had. Right. So I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Um, there was kind of a big, uh, big thing in regards to the church uh, not too long ago when Cardinal Sarah, who's a big hero of mine, uh, he was head of the Congregation for uh, Liturgy in the church. And he says, people that say, we baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit is invalid. Mm-hmm. It's not okay. Uh, and, and that's a big deal. Right, because we're going to get into the whole theology of baptism, which is sure. <laughs> which is a whole can of worms that maybe we can do one day. But but to sum that up, the 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 matter, water, and the form, the words are important. Oh yeah. And so we have at least seven or eight of our ten or eleven people who have already been baptized in with a baptism that we we recognize. So we have three candidates who um, three catechumenates who will be baptized at the vigil mass. Um, Mm -hmm. And so interestingly enough, the majority of these people um, who are coming through RCIA right now or have been coming to the Catholic faith for a while, which isn't uncommon, right? Um, They've been coming to mass for quite some time now. They were invited by a friend or however they ended up here, right? Um, And so, and typically in June or July, we will start um, talking about, hey, if you're an adult who would like to become Catholic, we're going to be starting RCIA in September. Yeah. So let's say someone in the parish, they hear that and they say, you know what? I'm not even baptized. Mm -hmm. What would they do? They would. um, So in the bulletin, in the, um, on the screens, on the website, they essentially would reach out to me. Um, probably via email. It's the easiest way to get in touch with me. Um, and we would schedule some time to sit down and chat. So the first thing would be an email or a phone call. I mean, they can reach me through the parish office, right? Um, so if, if there is an adult in your world or if you are that person and, um, and you're not baptized um, and you would like to become Catholic and be baptized, the process just starts with a conversation with me. Okay. Let's say that conversation goes super well. It's like, man, I just had this conversation with this guy. Well, of guy. course it would go well. It's That's a conversation like, with me. Yeah, I was like, man, <laughs> I just talked to this guy, John Ray. Dude, guy's awesome. Uh, sure, I want to become I a disagree. Catholic, you know? <laughs> uh, so, okay, now they, they had that initial... Uh, well, let's back up a little bit. Okay. I, I think, a, I think a, a better question is what is the conversation about, right? So somebody might be listening and they just wonder, like, man, what's he going to ask me? Like, if it's pass or fail, right? Okay. It's really just about your faith experience. Um, so I, when we get together and meet, I just want to know about you. I want to know who you are. Um, what's the draw to Catholicism, right? Have, have you been coming to Mass for a while? Are you just fascinated by the idea? Do you have Catholic friends? Um, have you had any sort of faith experience before? And, and what, what, what was that like? I, just, I would like to know about you and where you've been on your journey. Okay. And then, and so we have that initial meeting. Um, what do they do after that? From there, um, I would give them a formal application, right? Um, that they're going to fill out 
to, if they were baptized before, we want to know where, um, uh, we want to know in what faith walk, right? Um, we as Catholics keep great records. Um, and, and so we just need, we need to know that they were baptized somewhere and whether they have that certificate or not, isn't, isn't necessarily important. We have a process to bring them through if they, they can't quote prove that they were baptized. Right. Um, and then, um, and then in September typically, and that may be changing with OCIA. So let's talk about that just for a second. Um, the, the USCCB, the United State States of yeah, Conference of Catholic I was trying Bishops. to get the letters. Yeah, yeah that. You got it. Um, just kind of reworked and renamed the way that we bring adults into cat, uh, the Catholic faith. And so, it, you know, moving forward, it's not going to be the right of Christian initiation for adults. It's going to be the order of Christian initiation for adults, OCIA. It's going to take some getting used to because mm-hmm. RCIA just sounds right. OCIA yeah, to me just, just sounds, sounds like you just said, you just missed the first word. Yeah. Like what are we doing here? Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but so, and the, the way that I understand it, um, it, it came out a few months ago. The way that I'm understanding it at this particular moment is that it's going to be more of a year round cycle. So right now, the way that at least here at St. Pius and most of the parishes in our diocese, we have like a, a, a school year schedule to bring people in. So we're about to baptize and initiate our catechumenates and candidates at the vigil mass. And if somebody raised their hand today and said, Hey, I want to be Catholic, we'd say, see in September, you know? Um, and so, um, so this is going to be a more ongoing process that as the Holy spirit moves in someone's life and they start to get the nudge to become to, to enter into the Catholic faith, we would have, they wouldn't have to wait necessarily, mm-hmm. right? What exactly that's going to look like, I don't know, but it's coming and we're working through that. Today, um, we would typically start our RCIA sessions in September, usually at the beginning of September. And the first, um, the first really almost all fall is inquiry, right? So you're, you're really discerning. So in this conversation, I always tell them, you know, hey, as you enter this process, this is not a commitment to becoming Catholic, right? This is a commitment to spend some time discerning if this is what you want to do, right? If, if this is what God is calling you to. Um, and before we would initiate you into the faith, if you looked at us and said, no, 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 I don't want to do this, we, we would support you in that decision, right? Um, and, and you would walk away, hopefully, with a better understanding of what the Catholic Church teaches, right? Um, and so we start these sessions and, and, and we really just go through that search, that journey, that faith experience in the fall where we, we kind of work through why did he establish a church? Why is a relationship with God important? Why prayer? Why, you know, like we're, we're answering a lot of those big questions in the fall. And then when we get into the spring sessions, that's when we start deep diving into why does the church believe in the communion of saints and purgatory and what are the sacraments and morality? Um, we just had a great talk on morality, by the way, that I assigned them to go and listen to. Oh yeah. Yeah. At least I heard it was great. I wasn't there. Oh, you're talking about mine. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, So that, that's awesome. So these sessions in the fall, sounds like you, you lay down a lot of the groundwork, uh, so that you can build a strong house, right? A strong house of faith requires a strong foundation. The inquiry phase is really a time for them to, 
um, get answers to those questions that they've probably been wrestling with on their own, right? About faith and about God's okay. existence and about why a church and, you know, like all of that, right? Okay, now the inquiry phase, is that your term or is that like a term that's used officially? Yeah, so there's the inquiry phase and then there's the catechumenate, right? Mm-hmm. And then there's the mystagogy phase. Okay, okay. Um, I don't know if that's the way it's going to work in OCIA again, something new, you so, know, but the inquiry would be the first phase. The catechumenate is where we that foundation. Yep. Catechumenate would be where we're putting up the walls, right? Um, in the mystagogy phase, I think is where we we're AC in the house and turning the lights on, you know? Um, and what is the catechumenate? We, we kind of talk, so you said that's when you talk about a lot of different teachings of the faith, of yeah, the Catholic that's, faith. That's where we, we start deep diving into what does the church believe? What are the misconceptions that you have about what the church believes? Yeah. We talk about the saints. We talk about purgatory. We obviously going to deep dive into each one of the sacraments um, because they're specifically preparing to receive those sacraments. Right. And what um, about the mystagogy phase? So the mystagogy phase is really about... That's a fancy word. You could throw that at a party and yeah, bless some yeah. people. Not as fancy as transubstantiation, although we do talk about that. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, mystagogy is really like, okay, so I'm Catholic. It's, it's post-initiation, right? So it's after Easter. We meet for four sessions to talk about what, what now? Like, how do I live this faith? Um, how do I function in the church? Um, how do I get involved in the church? Like, how do I function as a Catholic? And then how do I get involved in the church? Um, and so we'll talk about the different things that we offer here at St. Pius, places that they could serve, places that they could continue to grow in their faith. Um, you know, and what does it look like to live as a Catholic in the world today? Okay. And so you said that last session is four, four meetings? Typically, yes. How many meetings are in these different phases? Who? I mean, so we start in September and we yeah. go through December. Okay. So how um, many meetings? I want to say first? we're probably 12 or 13. Total? Yeah. Okay, okay. And then probably the same leading up until Easter. So we're seven weeks of Lent and we started in January, beginning of January. So we're probably looking at 11... 13. So you're, you're looking, you're knocking on the door 30 sessions. Okay. So there's like 10, let's 10 meetings for the first one, uh, 10 meetings for the second one. Mm-hmm. And then the last one you said is four. Mm-hmm. Okay. Roughly. And how long is each meeting? An hour. An hour. And y'all meet on Sundays. We meet on Sunday mornings at 9 a.m. Goes to 10, and then that leads, I guess, into the perfect segue into 10.30 a.m. Mass. That's correct. And most of them, although they, they're, you know, if they're not baptized, they're not required to come to Mass, but most yeah. of them have raised their hand to become Catholic because, um, because they have been coming to Mass. Mm-hmm. And so the majority of them do stay for 10.30 a.m. Mass. Um, our sessions are formatted. We spend a lot of time just really teaching them how to pray. It's yeah. the most important thing that we could learn as Catholics. If we can learn how to be in relationship with God— and the power of the sacramental life of the church, well, then why would we go anywhere for anything else? Mm-hmm. You know? So, um, so we spend time with Lexio Divina. Like every session begins where we pray into and listen to God speak to our hearts through the gospel for that particular Sunday. Wow. Uh, looking for the word uh, made flesh in the word of God. Mm-hmm. What a radical idea. Well, it's really like it, it, it's, it's what the church asks all of us as Catholics to do, right? Yep. The only thing that she asks us to do is read the readings and pray with them before mass. 
that we would come to mass prepared. Yeah, so you can think about, ah, Father, he said this, but what he should have said is this, because well, that's what came to me in prayer. Actually, what I think about <laughs> is, man, Father's homily really sucks, and this is what I would have talked about. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Hey, look, as, as long as you're listening. But that's the preacher heart inside of me from mm-hmm. those 20 years of youth ministry. <laughs> so, okay, so that's, that's how someone would become a Catholic here at St. Pius. They'd first just kind of reach out to you uh, that have that initial meeting about really just where they're, where they're coming from, yep. their background, and then you can begin those three different phases, the initiation phase, the catechumenate phase, and then the mystagogy phase. Mm-hmm. And then uh, essentially be brought inside the Catholic Church on the Easter Vigil. That's correct. So we, the, the, the candidates and catechumenates will, um, will um, attend the Triduum together, right? And I'm sure in a couple of weeks you and I will talk more about the, the Triduum. Mm-hmm. Um, but they'll attend Holy Thursday, Good Friday, and the Vigil. And then at the vigil mass is where we birth the Catholics, right? It's where we're going to baptize those that need to be baptized. And we're going to have a baby baptized as well. Cause yep. one of the families that's coming into the church has a newborn. Oh, and yeah. so, um, so we're going to baptize him. They also have a fifth grader who's going to receive yep. first communion. Um, I'm very close with that family and I'm very excited about it. Yeah, me too. Um, and then, uh, and then we are going to, um, they'll, Following the rite of baptism, they will be confirmed in the church because the true order of initiation is baptism, confirmation, and then Holy Communion. So they'll receive it in that order. We reorder it as, you know, for whatever reason, and they keep moving around. We're about to move confirmation again here in this diocese. But um, so we'll birth those Catholics at the vigil mass. That is beautiful. So if you're interested in learning more, about the Catholic faith, or maybe you just want to have a conversation about RCIA, or maybe you want to become Catholic yourself. Um, John Ray at St. Pius is my email. Let's begin that conversation. Perfect. All right. Well, share this episode, like us and follow us on your podcast, listener of choice. Um, we look forward to seeing you all this weekend. God bless. God bless.